Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Please welcome Pastor Mark. Thank you, Reuben. All right, well, that was a fantastic worship time. Guys, thanks for praying. Thanks, Luke, wherever you are, for leading out. That was great. Ah, it's so good to, to come together to, to worship together. And, and this series called Fear Not, I think, is really applicable for us uh, today and, and in this season. Because right, in, in the midst of chaotic times, it's just human nature to uh, grab onto or reach out to, to grab something that is stable. Right? Imagine that there's a, a man swimming in a swimming pool and he's starting to drown, right? And he's struggling to stay above water, struggling to breathe, right? He's going to be reaching out for something stable that he can hold on to. And, and maybe he gets his hand on another swimmer and he's like, oh, this feels solid. This will probably help. And the, the result in that situation is often that they're both going to go down, right? It's, it, it seems stable, but it's not. And what uh, my understanding is that when you're drowning, the best thing you can do is to relax and to rest. I love talking about rest, right? Because your body is, is buoyant, right? And, and you, can, you can float. And it just keeps your face just barely above water so you can breathe uh, while you wait for the, the lifeguard to, to come and drag you in. Years ago, I don't remember when this was, Israel, but we went whitewater rafting down in West Virginia, someplace. It was somewhere. There's a group of us from, from New Day. And as we were getting our orientation, they warned us about this feature on the river called the meat grinder. Yeah, sounds great, right? And the meat grinder is a formation of, of rocks in the river that causes all this turbulence and it kind of sucks the, the current, you know, under the river and through some rocks and spits you out later on. And, and the guide said, if you end up in the meat grinder, just relax, <laughs> right? Just go with it. It's going to suck you under, but in a little while, it's going to spit you out down the river. And one of the guides is going to come and pick you up and pull you back into the raft. And it's like that. Luckily I didn't fall into the meat grinder. I was happy about that. And, uh, but I can't imagine how difficult that would be, right, to fight against the, the current, right? S reaching out to, to grab at something stable would actually hinder your ability to stay safe. And as Christ followers, it's important for us in chaotic and difficult times to rest and relax in him, to, to trust that as we get spun around in the meat grinder of life, right, that it's, we're going to get spit out at the end, and Jesus is going to, to reach down and grab us and pull us back into safety. It felt like a much more encouraging word than it sounds like as I say it out loud, right? But we know life, even life before 2020 sometimes was like, man, this just feels like a meat grinder. What is happening here, right? But we can rest and relax that Jesus is with us. He is for us and he is going to see us through. And so what I want to talk about today in our, our, in our series is that what we are experiencing is not the end of the story. 
what we are experiencing in our life on this side of eternity is not the end of the story. We have an eternal hope, and that eternal hope is Jesus. And I was excited to hear uh, that the spirit of, of hope be spoken earlier during during worship. And Misty's, uh, the songs she chose for, for worship, just I was like, okay, Holy Spirit is saying something. He's doing something in our midst today. And so what is hope? Hope is a confident anticipation of a positive future, right? Hope is a, a confident anticipation of a positive future, right? Luke Skywalker was the rebellion's new hope. There it is. There's one. There's one. Good job, Elijah. Uh, the, the, um, he, was the, he was the hope of the rebellion because he was the only one that is able to bring the rebellion and hey, the whole galaxy to this anticipated positive future. Right? He's their hope. And as Christians, we have a hope. And it's not merely that we, you know... Uh, get forgiven of our sins and we get to go to heaven when we die. That's huge. That is super important. But that is just a piece of it. The, the bigger picture of our Christian hope is that God redeems all of creation. All of the cosmos. It is a holistic renewal of all things. So uh, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8 quickly. Uh, in verse 18, it says, or Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And listen to this, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And it goes on to, to talk about how the whole creation groans as if in the pains of, of childbirth, right? As it longs for its redemption, as it longs for its restoration, God promises a, a new heaven and a new earth, a, a time and a place where sin and death and corruption are destroyed, right? Where peace and love reign. And we are invited to participate in that reality, in that kingdom, even now. Right? We look forward to the, the consummation when Jesus returns and his kingdom comes in all of its fullness. But Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, initiated or instigated that kingdom. And we, as people who have bent the knee to King Jesus, get to participate in that and be ambassadors of bringing kingdom reality into our fallen world. This is our hope. We have something incredible to look forward to, to keep our eyes on. And the outcome of this hope that we have, this eternal hope, is a posture of praise. It's a posture of thanksgiving and prayer and obedience. 
right? Because we have this eternal hope, because we know that what we're experiencing isn't the end of the story, we praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. We love you. We thank you that you are in control. You are sovereign, right? You have not forsaken us or abandoned us, right? We can't wait for your return. We take a posture of thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, thank you. You saved me. I get to participate in your kingdom. I get to feel the, the, the characteristics of your reality now in the midst of a world that is corrupt and fallen. The outcome of this hope should be prayer. Praying that Jesus would come quickly. We see the, the fallenness and the corruption. We go, man, God, this isn't how you wanted it. This isn't what you uh, were, were hoping for, right? You wanted something better. And so we, we pray, Jesus, come quickly to, to restore your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And this hope brings us into a posture of obedience to obey our, our king, the, the captain of our ship, bringing us to that eternal hope. And so what I want to do, that was kind of my intro, see here. Okay. Uh, and uh, I wanted to work through Isaiah 54. Uh, and my, my discipleship challenge for you this morning is this week, continue reading, read through Isaiah 54, maybe once a day to be reminded of Isaiah's picture of this hope. This, uh, and this picture is kind of also echoed in Revelation 21 when John the Revelator talks about this, uh, the new Jerusalem coming to, uh, coming to earth, right? This picture of the, the restored kingdom. And so I want to just go through this. And as I was studying this passage this week and uh, just some things that jumped out to me that I found very, very encouraging as we hold fast to this eternal hope. Because Isaiah is prophesying really about the, uh, the return of Israel or what he calls Zion uh, here in Isaiah uh, from Babylon. They uh, have been in exile, right, for 70 years in, in Babylon. The, the nation had been abandoned and exiled because of their sin and because of their idolatry, because of their rebellion. But now there's a new promise. There's a promise of being brought back home. And this restoration, uh, is, it's not their doing. They didn't make it happen, right? God actually told them, just, you know, just settle down, just settle down in Babylon, you know, pray for the, the, the blessing on, on the, the city where you're dwelling. But there will come a time, and this is that time, that God brings them back. And this is right on the heels, like literally the next chapter from Isaiah 52 and 53, which is the beautiful song of the, the suffering servant, which is a picture of, of Jesus Christ. Right? And so it's, it's not their doing, it is a, it's, uh, out of the grace and the love of God, manifest through the restoration of the suffering servant that is seen in the Israelites' return to their home. And it is a foretaste, a foretelling of our return to our home, our eternal hope. So, I got to move quickly here. Isaiah 54, verse 1 says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, Burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. 
And so there's this picture of this uh, uh, barren and rejected woman looked down on, uh, disgraced and ashamed. And, and God says, hey, things are changing. Right? Your disgrace is being changed, being turned to joy. Right? That is what I am doing in this time. And it reminds me of uh, one of the first or second beatitude when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? These, the ones that look uh, uh, downtrodden, the ones that were overlooked, the ones that are on the bottom of the barrel. Jesus says, I see you and, you're, and things are turning around. Right? Where things were once uh, empty and shallow, I'm bringing you into fullness. We see that in the next couple verses. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back. Lengthen the cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So this restored Zion, this foreshadowing of the new community in Christ is a place of growth and expansion and peace. Right? They're no longer abandoned, no longer forgotten, no longer rejected. But because of Jesus, because of the suffering servant, he has repaired the breach that kept us separate. And now we're brought home. It's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, in verse 4, he says, don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the, the God of all the earth. And so God says, I'm bringing you back. There is hope for you. This is not the end of the story. You're not abandoned, but you are getting married. And who is your husband? It's the maker. The maker of all of the cosmos, right? The maker of all the universe is the one who is making a covenant commitment to you. In Revelation 19.7, or in, in that area, 19, we see this, this prophetic picture of the marriage of the Lamb when the, the church, the bride, is brought to the bridegroom, Jesus, and they are united, right? We are looking forward to that. We participate in part now, but there is a fulfillment of that that we are longing for and that we are moving towards. The Lord Almighty is for us and with us. The Holy One of Israel is our Redeemer. The one that is the God of all the earth is ours. He's the one that's buying us back. He's the one that is overlooking our brokenness and our fallenness and saying, I choose you. I love you. I'm for you. He says in verse 6, the Lord will call you back. As if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness 
I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And if you have a Bible, well, if you own a Bible, in verse 8, it says, everlasting kindness. With everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. And, and, and this is so important. The, the Hebrew words here are gadal chesed. Gadal means great or massive or big, right? Great. And chesed means loyal love. The NIV translates it everlasting kindness. But I, I think it just carries this way of everlasting love. And, and every time this word chesed is used from God towards his people, it is always a covenant word. It's a covenant word that carries the meaning of steadfastness and persistence, right? The, the, the strength of God's sure love for his covenant people. That is his chesed, his covenant loyalty. It's, as, we, as we read that word, we get the picture. My hands get all puffy in the heat, right? Of the, it's like this... Uh, it's this marriage commitment, right? And we, we love that part. With, with this ring, I thee wed, right? This text here, verse 8, it's like God making that in unbreakable commitment of faithfulness with his people, right? And that's us. Here he's, he's making it with, with Israel, right? But we, because of Jesus, have been grafted in. Right? We are part of the people of God. And now that covenant reality is ours. And he says this in verse 9. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love... Again, chesed, my loyal love, my covenant love. My unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace. Peace, shalom, which means completeness or soundness or welfare or peace. My covenant of welfare for you will never be shaken. If we think back into Genesis, we think of the, the covenant that God made with Noah after he flooded the world and there's the rainbow. It was this covenant of promise. I am never going to destroy the earth again with floods, right? It was this uh, covenant of perpetuation of the creation, right? I'm never again going to destroy the, the earth with a, a flood, right? This is stable. I am, I am holding this all together. But here he says, I think of the, the days of Noah and that great promise that I made, but now even if the mountains shake, even if the mountains tremble, those things which seem so solid and so impregnable, right? They are just flimsy. And even if those fall apart, my loyal love, my covenant love will never be shaken. And we are in a time of shaking right now. And it's easy for us to want to, to grasp onto some other thing outside of Jesus that seems stable. But he is the only one that promises us loyal love. I'm going to skip that. Verse 11. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise. 
your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements of root. The only reason I know what lapis lazuli is is because Molly plays Minecraft. And I'm like, what's that blue stuff? She's like, it's lapis lazuli. Okay, okay. Well, it's also right here. It's a promise. God is going to rebuild the foundations of Zion with lapis lazuli. Uh, I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. Right, God promises to bedazzle his people. You guys remember that in the 90s where you'd get jean jackets and you'd bedazzle them? All right, that's what God's going to do to us. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I bet Amber was real into bedazzling. That's my guess. Um, so he's going he's gonna to encrust with jewels. He's going to beautify his Christ-centered community. He goes on to talk about this future generation. He says, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. Right? They, uh, their inheritance is this covenant of peace. In righteousness, you will be established. And listen to this. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. That's our eternal hope. We will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near to you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Right? This is the peace that we have to look forward to. The, the, the consummation of the, the renewal of all things when the, the new Jerusalem comes and inhabits earth. This is all restored. We live face to face with our God once again. And the picture of it is this rebuilt, beautiful exterior walls and revitalized inside. All of our kids are going to be disciples. They're all going to be taught by the Lord. Their peace is going to be great. They're going to be established in righteousness. Right? This is so good. Jesus, come quickly. And he says, never again will you be threatened. Right? This fear, this stuff, this chaos that we see in our world, in our, in our lives, right? It's going to be it's nowhere to be seen. In Revelations 21, John talks, gives this same picture. Maybe they saw something similar and used different words. He says this, talking about the new Jerusalem coming to earth. The wall was built of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. I don't know what that means. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. Lapis lazuli. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprasi. Lapis lazuli, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made with a single pearl, and then the streets of the city are pure gold, like transparent glass. Right? It's this beautiful picture of this glorious city. Right? In 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 the uh, when this was written, when Isaiah would have been prophesying this, it would have been abject foolishness to put jewels and gold and rubies and stuff on your city walls because every nation around you is like, oh, they've got something. We're going in. We're going to take it. But now God's like, doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want because we are at peace. This is the covenant of peace. 
And the last two verses says, see, it is I, this is God talking, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. It is a promise of the sovereignty of God. He's got this. You might get caught up in the meat grinder, but we know what the end is. He's going to pick us up and put us in this beautiful city where we are at peace. We are at rest, where death and sin and sickness and pain are no more. This is our heritage. This is our inheritance. We have an eternal hope. And we keep our eyes focused right, on the restoration of all things, the new heaven and the new earth. The city of, of, of God come where there is no sin or death or tears or tyranny. Right, and so hopefully this was somewhat encouraging. I spent, I probably read this, I don't know, 25 times this week. And it just got more exciting the more I read it. And so I encourage you to do that work. And maybe even read it and talk to somebody that was maybe in your small group or a friend. Go, hey, man, this verse was super encouraging to me. Or, hey, I didn't understand this. What do you think about this? Or, I read this. Pastor Mark, maybe he's crazy. I didn't see it. Right? Whatever it is, just talk about it. It's so good. Right? And so what we want to do is let this hope remind us that we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid as we wait for Jesus to show up. We don't need to be swayed by current events or disasters or wars or rumors of wars. This eternal hope actually motivates us, like I said, to live lives of praise and to live lives of thanksgiving, lives of prayer and obedience as we participate, as we are ambassadors of that future kingdom. We bring it into our world right now as we live as non-anxious presences, as we live like Jesus in this world. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for our eternal hope. Lord, we cannot wait for you to return to set all things right again. Lord, where there is no sin, there is no death, right? We don't have to worry about depression or fear or anxiety anymore. We just live in peace with you. And Lord, we thank you that that peace is available right now. Lord, we repent for anything that we have put our hope in that is not you. Lord, even things with Jesus-y veneers that, are just, that aren't actually you. Lord, help us to put our hope in you. Lord, show us where we've fallen short of that. And let us run with all of our hearts after that. Let us be ambassadors of your kingdom in our families and in our community. Lord, we will pray for the, the, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And let us be your hands and feet to make that happen, Jesus. We love you. We put our hope in you. Amen.